Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. Uh, my name is Jason Walker, and I'm joined, as always, by... The Trey Sanders. The Trey Sanders, not just a <laughs> Trey Sanders. It is the Trey Sanders, everybody. So, <laughs> I don't know, I guess a little backstory. We just had a bunch of problem with sound, so I'm just glad that we're actually able to get this rolling, and it looks like everything is rolling well in terms of sound, so far as I'm able to tell. Yeah, you so, just jinxed it. Yeah, I did. I did. So if anything sounds weird, funny, random pauses, something probably screwed up. But <laughs> you know what? We're better at sports than we are at technology, and it's that's probably never going to change. But anyway, moving on to what happened with the Jazz. They, uh, they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder in their first game of the playoff series. They lost 116 to 108. Um. And obviously there's there's a lot to go over. Um, I think both Trey and I saw a lot of the same things. But first off, Trey, I just wanted to hear what uh, what you had to say about the game and just your overall thoughts. Um, I think the Jazz played pretty well um, other than the, uh, the way that they got sucked into isolation basketball. They were just trying to match what the Thunder were doing. Um, for the most part, that works for Donovan and Dante, but um, when the rest of the team is just standing around waiting to react to something that's not that usually doesn't work out very well. But I kind of felt like um, I kind of felt like it was more Quinn was just like, let's stick with the usual rotation, but let's try to mix it up a little bit. I don't know if that was by design the the iso- the heavy isolation d- basketball. Because I only saw a few set plays throughout even, you know, the entirety of the game. And I thought Jay Crowder's shot selection was awful. I don't know what, like, kind of world he was living in tonight, but he was just jacking up pretty much anything he could. Um, And I thought Rudy did a good job of preventing uh, Steven Adams from dominating on the offensive glass like he usually does, uh, especially in that first half. Um, But... um, then Donovan gave us all a scare because he got his foot stepped on. Um, so he and I even remember they they showed him like I didn't even know he went to the locker room. All of a sudden they're like, oh, he's Donovan Mitchell's coming out of the locker room. He was I, he was limping at one point, but um, he did a couple plays and then Quinn took him out and he went to the bench. Is like, no, nah, I'm good. Like put me back in and finally put him back in and he made some better some awesome plays. But I think all in all the Jazz just. Um, kind of got to see how they need to run things against this team. Problem is, is <laughs> you have three superstars on one team and one of them's bound to get hot like Paul George did tonight. Yeah. And that is, that is the unfortunate thing because the jazz did play well overall. Um, I, I did think the offense was lacking in that you mentioned they did a lot of isolation. They really got out of who they are on offense. Yeah. And you know, obviously, when you have when you have Ricky Rubio taking 18 shots, that's usually not the greatest thing. I know he's been taking more shots with the Jazz, and he's had some successful moments. But him going five of 18 did not help the Jazz. Um, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, he did really well, and you know, his toughness really just stood out, and his leadership, his maturity. Because, like you said, he got stepped on. 
He was hurt. It was one of those things that you can play through and that some guys, maybe they would have gone out. You remember George Hill from last year only played half the year because he had a toe injury. And granted, I don't think Mitchell's was nearly as bad as Hill's last year, but this just shows Donovan Mitchell wants to win. He wants to play hard, and he wants this, the you know to have the, the, the burden of a game placed on him because you saw in that fourth quarter he began to be more aggressive. He began to take over more. Some things I felt like were a little lacking in the second and third quarter from Mitchell. He was beginning to bring in the fourth. And obviously he ends up with 27 points. He also got the 10 rebounds, which is his first ever double-double. Um, he's come close on a couple of occasions. Flirted with the triple-double a, f- a couple of weeks ago, or might have been just a week ago. But hes I think he's going to be playing some of his best basketball, or at least his <clears throat> most aggressive basketball, here in this playoff series because it it plays into his personality and just like his mentality and that he works hard and he's got that superstar mentality, that Mamba mentality, whatever you want to name that mindset. Donovan Mitchell has it and he's starting to, to exercise that in the playoffs. And you've also, you also saw it from Paul George, you know, on, on the Thunder side, you mentioned <laughs> playoff P. Yeah, playoff. First off, that's a stupid nickname. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna give yourself a nickname, make a better one than that, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, you add three letters to it and say "playoff Paul," and it's instantly like a thousand times better. Yeah, playoff yeah. P. He just playoff wants, P. He he just wants like swaggy P. Like he's he he saw that and was like, "How can I uh, do something like that?" It's like, uh, yeah, no. wrong, wrong person to idolize. Sorry. Oh, he's, <laughs> You gotta admit, Swaggy P though is one of the better nicknames in the NBA. Like you gotta admit that. Like, sure, it's a good nickname, but like, like I don't like Nick Young very much as either a person or a player, but his nickname is on point. You you, you gotta give him that. But just... is that a self-proclaimed nickname? Though I feel like he got that from someone else. He didn't give himself that nickname. Uh, I I have no clue. Um... <laughs> I have no clue, but I, I didn't really know anybody called Paul George playoff P, but I guess maybe he just called himself that. He did, yeah. Was it like in an interview or something? Because that's yeah, the first place. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a presser during one of the practices, and I can't remember what the question was, but he's like, hey, "You all haven't seen playoff P yet." <laughs> like, okay, bud. Little full of himself, but you know, yeah. He, well, he... and there was even like, um, not any relation to his nickname, but um, he and Joe Ingles were had exchanging words like pretty much the from the tip off like there was even one uh bleacher report posted it of the choice words paul george used after he hit a three on joe ingles i was like really <laughs> i'm not gonna repeat it but <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see that all series joe ingles is gonna try and get under paul george's skin and obviously today paul george he backed up you know the, the playoff p or whatever he, he he had 30, what, 36 points, was like 8 of 12 from 3, 8 of 11, sorry. And this kind of goes into the, I don't know if it's a hot take. Well, it is a hot take if I, if I go with my original thoughts that I had. And that is that if the Jazz play as well on defense as they did today, and if they can step it up on offense, even just a little bit, they'll win either the next four games or four out of the next five games. Because they didn't play that bad. Obviously, there were some some things lacking on offense. And that's why mm-hmm. I say the offense does have to step up a little bit, or at least shift how they played. 
But watching the game, I mean, on paper, it looks like the Jazz didn't do so hot on defense. The, the Thunder shot 48% from overall, and they shot 48% from three and made 14 three-pointers. You look at Paul George had 36 points. Russell Westbrook had 29. But they weren't that bad on defense. And you look at a lot of the shots, they were just amazing shots. I know a couple of times <laughs> both, both Russell Westbrook and Paul George had moments where they got into the key and were just swarmed by Rudy Gobert and a couple other players. They'd put up these prayer shots and would make them. And, and Russell Westbrook had a had a bunch of kind of long twos, shots that he normally doesn't make. And, you know, they, they just had this amazing offensive game and just, just break it down. The Jazz lost by eight points, a three-possession game. And it's just, I, I feel like if the Jazz actually played this well the entire series, they'd probably win it in, you know, five, six, or seven games. Yeah, totally. I mean, because they didn't they didn't give him anything easy, and that was that was the whole point going in. Like, Quinn Snyder and the staff is not naive enough to think that um, if you just focus on one player, then you make the other two or one other superstar try to score on you. You just have to make it difficult on them at all times, and I think they definitely did that. Um, especially uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, he had to jack up a ton of shots just to get to where he was. Um, and Carmelo, he was just your role player, old guy that can still shoot, you know, and Paul George, he, I just saw, um, an update actually, he's got a hip contusion. So that's something to watch for. And I don't know if you noticed, but on that last alley-oop, um, that Steven Adams put down, he, he pulled something in that arm. Yeah. A lot of players banged up. He, and, and I did, mm-hmm. I did notice that and they, they pointed it out and yeah, he, he did only he only raised his arm like once or one or two more times that I saw, and so we'll see how it goes. Health if anybody misses time, if Donovan man somehow misses time, if like this toe injury turns out to be slightly more serious, like maybe there's something in there that was just adrenaline helping him push past it. You know, yeah, no, absolutely adrenaline. I mean, you saw him breathing the way he was. You never you never see him breathe like that. This is like strong exhale, strong inhale, just. But pushing that air out quick, but I don't yeah, think it's too much. The X-ray came back negative. They're gonna do an MRI, but I think it'll, even if he's even if he's like sixty percent, he he's gonna play. Yeah, there's there's just gonna be there's gonna be trainers swarming both sides. You know, with Donovan, I didn't even know about Paul George. I hadn't heard about that. I only saw what happened to Stephen Adams. But one thing I wanted to go back to really quick with the how, you know the Jazz were so close to, or just close in this game, you know, they were behind for just about all of it, at least past like the first or second quarter. Um, when you look at playoff games, I, I did a little little bit of research, and since 2000, I looked at all the games, or searched all the games where a team made 14 three-pointers and shot 48% from beyond the arc. It's happened 40, I think 47 times, 45 times. And the team that does that is 40 and 5. They've lost five times, and the average win margin is 18 points. Just in that game? In in that game. So, like, in games where a playoff, like, in playoff games where a team makes 14 three pointers and shoots 48% from the field, 
they've lost five times out of 48 instances. Hmm. And heck, I don't know. I didn't actually check to see if there were any overlapping instances. Um, that's entirely possible, but either way out of 45 teams that have managed to do that, they've lost five times and have on average blown out the opponent. And the jazz didn't get blown out. They were in this game for essentially all of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were. I mean, and like you said, as long as they play this way every night, uh, especially on the defensive end, uh, they'll be in great condition because there's no way. Um, OKC, to their credit, they're loaded with talent. There's no doubt about that. But OKC can't maintain that for an entire series against the Utah Jazz. There's no way. Yeah, and that's why, you know, when I was watching the game, I was continually frustrated. But as it went on, I was like, you know, this is, you know, the Jazz can obviously still win this series. I was like, obviously, you don't want to lose game one. But just watching the game, I was like, the Jazz match up fairly well. And if they, again, going back to the offense, if they just play a little better on offense, they'll be fine. Because just like you said, Oklahoma City can't keep this up. They can't keep making the shots. Paul George isn't going to go eleven of or eight of eleven from three. Uh, they aren't going to make twenty out of twenty three free throws. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, actually, one curious thing. Uh, I was just looking over the box score. I didn't notice this before we started recording, but you look at the the starters. You know, Russell Westbrook. He had twenty nine points, thirteen rebounds, eight assists. He had a plus minus of negative one. Paul Paul George's thirty six points on eight of eleven three pointers. He was plus three. This is an eight point game. So, you know, the, the starters. The, the I mean, Paul George was had the best plus minus for a starter at plus three. It was really a lot of it had to do with the bench, to be honest, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> I think Jeremy Grant. I, I actually don't know the names of all the Thunder players. Yeah, Jeremy Grant. Uh, Raymond Felton, Alex Abrines, they were all like double digit in terms of plus minus. Yeah, well, and Abrines, man, he was he pretty much knocked down about everything. I know he's four of seven, but three for five from three, uh, he he provided a huge spark for them. Yeah, and I just again we might just keep coming back to this. It's just going to depend on this series could ride on how well Oklahoma City managed to shoot tough shots. Because in this game they made it, and and if they do manage to keep making these tough shots, because you mentioned they have three superstars, and I know Camaro Anthony is aging, but he's still, he's still a really good offensive player. But this is the one thing that that worries me is that they could, it could happen. You're you're looking at superstars, and superstars step up at the biggest times and make the biggest shots typically, and you know I. I do have to go back to it is Russell Westbrook who I'm I'm generally uh, down on. I don't really like Russell Westbrook's game a lot. But it is possible for them to make these shots uh for the they really only need to make them for 5 games. You know, if we're looking if they manage to keep making these shots, the series would only go for 4 or 5 games. So there is that bit of a worry for me, but I'm kind of you know, obviously on the side that I mentioned earlier is that I don't think they will, and that's why I believe that if the Jazz do manage to continue playing as good a defense as they did and just step it up on offense, they could win this game in five or six games from yeah. now. 
Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they have the potential to continue their hot shooting and make those difficult shots. I mean, they've, they've proven that their entire careers. But at the same time, um, the Jazz are going to be in their face at all times. They, a lot of them got into foul troubles. It was a physical game tonight. But I think that that gut punch that the Jazz had to deal with to end the season kind of helped prepare them for <laughs> this series in general, not just the playoffs. I mean... Um, going up against OKC, they're equally as long as we are. They're still going to be giving us fits on defense, but um, to go to build off of your offensive talk, yeah, the, the, the Jazz don't need to get sucked into this uh, hero basketball. I, now, that's going a little too far. Um, they need to go back to how they were as a committee. I mean, they know how to move the ball. They've They've done it, this incredible run to get to this point. And that's what they need to do again. They can't let they can't let the Thunder dictate how they play on offense um, when they're the ones playing defense. You know, it, does that make sense? <clears throat> so it's like when they were moving the ball and there was those extra passes. Every time they got that ball to the open guy, the defense, uh, the Oklahoma defense, was completely broken down, and they were getting those wide open shots. Joe Ingles, he's gonna be, he's got to be. Um, he's got to be a recipient of the ball movement. Otherwise, Paul George is going to eat his lunch all series long. And he got those when he got those open looks, he nailed them. Um, and when Ricky Rubio got better shots, he nailed them. When Derek Favors was rolling to the basket, it was good to it was really good to see Favors using that muscle tonight. He's gonna we're gonna need that the rest of the season. Um, and like going back to it too. Um, Steven Adams is going to give Ricky or not Ricky Rudy Gobert a ton of fits on offense, but I think it's just as long as those two are battling it out, they're going to wear each other out and someone's going to break obviously. But if you take Steven Adams out of things on a consistent basis, like Gobert did tonight, we're in good shape. Yeah. And, and I definitely agree on that. That offensive point is, is those extra passes and also just the extra movement as well. Uh, yeah. You got to move without the ball. Yeah, because when I see, you know, Jay Crowder get the ball and try and isolate, I don't even care who he's isolating. Unless he's isolating Raymond Felton, he shouldn't be isolating at all. Because, uh, you know, as much as I love Jay Crowder and I love his defense and the Jazz's best lineup and literally the best lineup in the NBA since, you know, the All-Star break is one where the Jazz have Ricky Rubio, Donovan, Ingles, Jay Crowder, and Rudy Gobert but it's mostly because of the defense. Jay Crowder, his his night tonight is actually fairly typical where he goes 3 of 10, and he went 3 of 9 from 3. And you, you mentioned this, I believe, earlier, uh, kind of around the intro, is that he took a lot of poor shots. And I agree with that. And I think that it just needs to be about the extra movement, the extra passes. You know, Jay Crowder's shots should come off of you know, the Jazz have like four really quick passes and then Jay Crowder's driving into the key, gets a pass and then lays it up, you know, or or really insert any player into that sentence other than Jay Crowder. And that's where I feel like the Jazz are at their best is when they throw around five or six passes really quickly, break down the defense, and then they end up with maybe an open jump shot or maybe Jay Crowder's shooting a corner three or Joe Ingles or heck, even Jarebko, although... I personally think I tweeted this out. I don't think Drebko should see the floor the rest of the playoff series. Really? Well, it's the playoffs. You got to tighten up your lineups. And if you, 
Drebko played four minutes, was minus seven, and they, they when he went in, they attacked him three straight times, got seven points. And, True. And then he missed both shots that he took. And yeah. to me, you know, I have nothing against Drebko. I, I think he's played pretty well when given a chance. If you look at his games where he's played 20 or more minutes, he's actually played pretty well uh, when he's given a chance. But I just think that it's time to kind of tighten down the lineups and let's let's stick with Royce and uh, Jay Crowder kind of in that those backup forward roles. And no, I'm with you on that. Yeah, no, because I mean both Jarebko and Royce are your energy guys um, at their position. So yeah, no, I mean I, I'd say that we're not like. Seeing Drebko's inevitable. We're going to see him on the floor because he's a bigger body. Um, but, I mean, it does make sense because – and, did I mean, let's not forget what uh, Alec Burks did when the min, when he saw minutes. He didn't miss a shot. <laughs> he scored 10 points in two minutes. Uh, you, you see that from Alec Burks, and that's – Alec Burks is just a sad story because I, I loved him so much, and I – I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I at one point could be heard saying that Alec Burks had more potential than Gordon Hayward. And, Mm. you know, even at the time I admitted that Gordon Hayward was better, but I said Alec Burks due to his athleticism, his ball handling, uh, and his potential to be a, a really good combo guard had more potential, but he has never capitalized on that except in random spurts. Kind of like yeah, CJ Miles. He, he's he's a weird. He's like an like an anomaly. It's like some days he's just really just unstoppable, and then there's other days where he just gets in his head and he's out of control. Yeah, I I wonder what would happen if he, because sometimes all it takes is you get thrust into a lineup and get handed 28 minutes a game, and maybe he turns out to be good. It's kind of happened to Trey Burke. He he dropped out of the league, came back, has been given a pretty decent shot with the Knicks and he's doing all right. Um, sometimes you just need minutes. And I wonder if that would cure Alec Burks as he's going to have to leave Utah to get those minutes. He's not getting them here or mm-hmm. there'll have to be some catastrophic injury troubles, which hopefully which is the on wood. very storied history for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen to Alec Burks. The jazz probably aren't going to resign him. We're just going off a random tangent on Alec Burks. Yeah, yeah I, I really wish he'd been able to capitalize because he did have that one good season where he was the sixth man. He was getting about 27, 28 minutes a game, and he was playing good. But then Quinn Snyder came in and, you know, Burks got hurt. He's never made it back. So I think he has. I just, you know, Quinn's, Quinn's willing to give him the time. The problem is, is that he doesn't provide the same uh, defensive spark that Royce O'Neal does. So Royce is really taking his minutes and it's not really because of anything Burks is not is or is not doing. It's just Royce is a bigger, faster defender than he is. Um but even still, I to go back with the energy thing, um I think it is a good idea to kind of see maybe put Jarebko in at like random spurts throughout the game. I mean, he only got four minutes tonight, but um, that was just because of he he was straight garbage tonight. But I do think that Jarebko still adds a level of energy, especially for um, offensive rebounds, if not um, getting in people's heads too, because Jarebko's Jarebko's feisty. <laughs> 
Yeah, and like I said, I have, I have nothing against Jarebko. I like the guy, and glad he's on the Jazz, and I, I, I keep him around. He has value. It's just, on defense, he's a turnstile, and I saw it. We saw mm-hmm. it throughout the season, and he he can provide some important offense. He's a stretch four. He's, I believe, either the one of the best three-point shooters on the team. Really, behind Ingles, he's probably the second best. I don't think anybody else on the on the team is shooting better than him other than Ingles. Um, so he does add that value, but if he's going to play four minutes, he can't give up three straight horrible defensive plays. Because uh, when, when we put him out there, he was guarding Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so really, if he's, if he's going to be out there, he needs to be out there probably with Rudy Gobert. Um, or if Derek Favors is having a really, really good defensive night in terms of rim protecting, which... Derek Favors on and off in terms of rim protecting sometimes. But it's just, I don't know. I just got really frustrated, and this might just kind of be a knee-jerk reaction, but I, th- I think, you know, you, you do collapse the lineups and you play your best guys. For and, sure, yeah, this is the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, in, in terms of the bench, we didn't really get – I feel like obviously the when you look at the plus minus the Thunder bench did do a lot better. Obviously, if you exclude Alec Burks's two minutes, the Jazz didn't get a whole lot from their bench. They did they only got offense from essentially two players, Dante Exum and Jay Crowder, and Jay Crowder's was generally inefficient. We we've talked about the bench struggles before and how it might come back to bite them, and maybe this is when because. The Thunder did well in terms of plus-minus on the bench. Their guys, uh, we mentioned a couple of their players. Uh, Abrines, obviously shooting well. Um, just, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to see Don Texan be able to take over the game more, kind of like what he did during the third quarter. Um, or was it the fourth yeah. quarter? Yeah, but, I mean, even, like, when, when Dante comes – when. When Dante comes into the game, the offensive scheme changes a little bit. It's all revolving around Dante initiating the offense, whether he's coming off of a pick or he's just trying to isolate and um, drive to the to the hoop and kick out if needed. Whereas with Ricky, um, Ricky is looking to initiate plays, get everybody else involved. So, I mean, if, if you could find some kind of uh, amalgamation where you run that offense that way and then you let Dante do his thing sometimes that might work but the problem is is you know the the Thunder are just as defensive minded as the Jazz unfortunately um, and I yeah the, the bench has come back to bite us in the ass in this game one but um, I just think that as long as everyone's back on the same page because Quinn Snyder didn't come into this game unprepared that's let's not go that far because there was a, there was a game plan. I think they did a very good job of executing it. It's just for some reason, everyone wanted to start playing uh, isolation basketball, and that bled over into the bench, which is bizarre because the bench should be your energy guys no matter what. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, it's just, it is just going to come down to the offense, I guess. And that was the thing I I I was saying. I, I predict this on another. There's a jazz blogger right for. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, the Jazz will win the series if it was kind of a fill-in-the-blank question and said if if the offense manages to hang together. 
And again, it just all comes back to this. We went into isolation basketball and, you know, I, you said this earlier, the only two players who managed to make that work were Dante and Donovan. And that's going to wait the way it's going to be for the jazz for a while is because those are the only two players who have any sort of explosiveness advantage over anybody or at least the skill. And again, it just, it just comes back to executing because Quinn Snyder, he's got that system and that system has worked. And when the jazz are generally efficient and execute their game plan and execute that system, then they can get open shots and, they don't have to rely on that hero ball, which obviously makes them very different from essentially every playoff team out there. Especially because when you look at the rest of the Western Conference, every single one of them has a veteran player that can that can do that isolation. And the Jazz mm-hmm. don't have that, which makes them, it makes them very different. And it also could end up hurting them in the playoffs because that's sometimes where that, where that ends up working more. Because in the playoffs, generally the team with the best player wins. And sometimes it's not about team ball. Like today, the Thunder had the best player on the floor, and it was Paul George. And yeah, but the, 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 to be fair, though, the Thunder don't really run schemes. Like, they don't really run plays. It's all revolve, It all revolves around the three stars and them isolating the ball and getting the offense to react to what they're doing. That's that's just the way the Thunder are built. Whereas the Jazz, yeah, we don't have that superstar. I mean, we do. He's just he just happens to be a rookie. But um, you know, the Jazz can be that that unit that they are predicating everything on ball movement, and it's just so weird to see that happen. I, I guarantee you, game two, the Jazz are going to be the Jazz are going to move the ball around, and these the the Thunder will not be able to control it because the, we will get the open shots. Yeah, that that is just the key. Is it's that? I feel like we're a broken record here because we're both saying the yeah. same thing. It's, it is it is that ball movement and people movement, you know, player yeah. movement, and and it's it's kind of like a, a very poor man's version of when what you're watching the Warriors' offense. Because um, with the Warriors, they do a lot of that ball movement. A lot of it's in transition. They have a really good transition, but they're moving the ball a ton. And obviously the, the difference between the Jazz and the Warriors, the, the Warriors have three extremely good offensive players. Mm-hmm. And so they score 120 points a game, and we score 108 points a game. Or at least, you know, since like since January when we've been pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, again, obviously, like, I think we're both going to be looking for that in game two, like you said. And if they do that, and if they get these open shots... The Jazz will win, and the Jazz could end up winning big. But maybe they won't, because the thing is, the Jazz have been known that sometimes they'll play down in big situ- in big situations. They have stepped it up, and that's why I'm not terribly worried. That's why I'm not just throwing in the towel now. If they if they lose game two, I'll be extremely worried. But if, if they come out, yeah. and, they, and, and if they, they do what we're talking about here, and they use that ball when they get back to what the Jazz offense is and has been this season during its best points, and they don't just suck it up on defense, we could be looking at a blowout in game two, which would restore a lot of faith and obviously turn this series completely on its head. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I knew going in that if we were to play the Warriors in the or not the Warriors, wow, uh, the Thunder in the playoffs, that it was a bit of a worry because they had our number throughout the year. And I and in the in defense, it was well, they played us. They played a completely different Jazz team back then. We hadn't we hadn't played them since December, you know, during that brutal stretch. So now that they kind of see who we are, I mean, they for the first couple of minutes of the of the game they didn't know what to do with this because that ball movement was there and then it disappeared so it i guarantee and this jazz team's been really good about bouncing back from losses um obviously we didn't bounce back the way we should have following the loss against portland but uh also entirely different level of play and uh more on the line but yeah i'm i'm excited to see what happens but this matchup does still worry me because there is more playoff experience on that team uh, than there is on the Jazz, and they're gonna they're gonna go with that. And Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's gonna dictate a lot of the energy that that team plays with going forward. It's just a matter of can we match it? Yeah, and uh, obviously, like you said, the the superstar aspect does worry me. And when Russell Westbrook does get hot, then it it does become a problem for really everybody. But again, I just, I don't know. I I am still fairly encouraged by this game because we did manage to force them. I mean, when I was watching Russell Westbrook, he didn't feel like he was having that much of an impact on this game. No, yeah. And, you know, watching Russell Westbrook, I was, you know, I'd watch him go into the lane. And honestly, I have not watched a whole lot of, Oklahoma City basketball, not a lot of uh, Russell Westbrook this year, but uh, if if the way he passed in this game, the way he was distributing the ball in this game is typical of him, he has to be one of the worst passers in the NBA who manages to average more than like eight assists. Cause he is oh, been... his turnover rate's atrocious. Yeah, it, it's just... I, I have no clue how he gets... 10 assists a game if he passes the way he does did in that game in every other game because it was like I said the turnover rates and just how inaccurate it's like he's basically depending on the other guy to be wide open and just make a difficult shot but but again right I, I don't want to make any sort of declaration because I have not watched a whole lot of Russell Westbrook basketball but I'm gonna have to watch the rest of this series and if I see that again I'll be like dang this guy sucks at passing you know, because when you watch Ben Simmons, LeBron James, you, you look at all the the better passers in the league, they actually throw good passes. But yeah. Anyway, random tangent on Russell Westbrook aside. Um, again, we'll, we'll. There's not much more we can talk about today, unless you had any more thoughts on the game. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I I just. Going forward, there's there's the things to look for. We already we already talked about how the offense will change in game two. Um, I want to see if uh, I want to see how well Ricky does against Russell in game two. I think he did an okay job tonight, um, but obviously Russell is far more muscular and full of craziness that Ricky has a hard time staying in front of him. Everybody does, um, but 
and then look looking forward to uh, how Paul George comes back from this hip contusion. See how that was managed. The Donovan Mitchell injury. I'm not too worried about it because he felt he said himself, "I feel fine. I want to go back in." Um, but yeah, I, it, regardless, I think this is going to be an intense series. It, if not, like you know, it just to me this series feels like it's just going to be. One team wins one, the next team wins the other. It's just going to go back and forth until game seven to me. Yeah, I do think it'll be a seven-game series. My my initial prediction was the Jazz would win in seven, and so far, you know, I, I think that's obviously still very much on the table, and again, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. So we'll see how it goes in game two and oh, game three, maybe even game four. I, I don't know the whole schedule. Um, let me... Where is the schedule? Here we go. We'll see, I want to see when our next episode is. I should have looked this up before. Yeah, so uh, we'll be we'll be uh, our next episode will be the day after Game Three. So we'll have two more games to talk about, and by then the series could be just as intense, like you said. Maybe the Jazz win the next one, Thunder win the next one, and we'll be talking about a two-one series, maybe in either direction. Or, heaven forbid, the Thunder managed to be up 3-0, and I might just cry if that happens, because it'll, <laughs> it'll mean this magical season is over, or essentially over, because pretty much nobody comes back from 3-0. But, yeah, well, Cleveland did it. That was 3-1. Or are you talking about some other instance? Because there's wow. 3-1, which has been done a couple of times, and then there's 3-0, which I think has only been done in like, um. hockey. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll go ahead and end it here. So, again, thank you so much for listening. Again, my name is Jason Walker, and joined by Trey Sanders as always. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>